You know, um, we are blessed musically in this church. Between Helen and Kay and Bill, we are blessed musically in this church. And then Sunday mornings, we are often inspired in music. At least I am. I pray that you would be. And we have a lot of fine people who would sing as Candy just did. But there is something very special when you sing. And I'm very grateful. And that Steve would use his skill in teaching in this place is so important. And so for both of you, thank you for your decision to be part of this fellowship when you could be in any fellowship. We could all be in any fellowship. But you're here. And I'm grateful for both of you. Now, um, Pastor called me uh, sometime or texted me sometime Wednesday. I work uh, full-time in Canada, live uh, here in, in suburban Atlanta. Don't ask any more questions than that. Uh, that's about all that I, I don't know what else to say about it, but that's the reality. And Pastor called me and said, uh, I may need some help on Sunday. I said, Louis, don't worry. Whatever you decide, we've got it covered. You and Jeannie uh, go be with God and Earl. And, of course, uh, they did, and they are, and... Uh, and then uh, when, he, when he talked to me yesterday, he said, now I, I want to I clear, clear up something with you before tomorrow morning. And I had no idea what that might be. I, so I said, well, what is it that you want to clear up with me? He said, the bulletin. <laughs> I said, what about the bulletin? Because I'd seen it. And he said, well, I, I really don't want you to take offense at the cover of the bulletin. <laughs> he said, uh, this was my sermon title. And uh, that's the cover of the bulletin that we chose for that. I meant no disrespect to your ability in the pulpit tomorrow. And I said, well, I don't feel disrespected. I'm just going to make sure the congregation understands that you did this to me. I mean, you know, that you did this. So when you see Pastor later this week, first you hug his neck and uh, that you've been praying for him. And then you ask him, what were you thinking with the bulletin? Just an aside, just a little ha-ha, that's when you're supposed to laugh. It's okay to laugh in church. Um, I, I, uh, what I'd like to speak with you about is um, a concept of who am I. And it's as much about my personal walk and uh, my personal um, um, relationship with Jesus. Um, and, and maybe it will have a benefit to you. Um, but, but this whole concept of who am I. Uh, and Ben is going to help me with that uh, this morning, and so I'm going to say Ben's name, and he's going to change the slide, and, and uh, we'll, we'll keep moving this morning and bring God's Word to you. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but, but um, I have opinions. Um, I, I still aspire to my mother's school, which says if you can't say something nice, you don't say anything at all. Uh, so uh, while you may not hear me voice an opinion, you may not hear my opinion publicly, believe me, I have opinions between my ears, and I talk to myself, and I share my opinions with myself. Uh, and, and so you may have opinions, and it's perfectly reasonable that you do. You may have an opinion um, about a child who ruins a meal in a restaurant. 
a child who, without discipline, without any coaching from mom or dad, is allowed to do whatever it is he or she does, scream to their heart's content in a restaurant. I have an opinion about that. Uh, you may have an opinion about our government and about our current political structure and political race. When I was growing up, um, uh, we were taught in our home, there were two things we did not talk about publicly. One was religion, and the other was politics or government. I find now as an adult that's quite unfortunate because Jesus talked about both of them. And he condemned one and respected the other. And it's not what you think. So you might have an opinion about our politics and our government. Uh, you, you might have an opinion about a restaurant, and which is a good restaurant. I understand the Hall family has now been invited to invest in Longhorn Steakhouse. They seem to know that that is the only restaurant in Sandy Springs to go to after church on Sunday. So if you ever need Bill or Kay after church on Sunday, stop here. But you might have an opinion about restaurants. I know many of you do have opinions. I see them on Facebook. Uh, that sort of quasi-anonymity uh, of Facebook that allows you to post something and like something and do something. You might have an opinion that you focus on and you share it on Facebook. Uh, you might even have an opinion about this. <laughs> you might. You might have an opinion uh, about what we do here. And those are all wonderful. Those are all fine. And they are yours and they are personal. And I have opinions about those, but where I really, really have an opinion is Walmart. <laughs> I was in Walmart yesterday. I went shopping at Walmart last night uh, in, in uh, coming on Highway 9, just to, in case you want local color. Uh, highway uh, 9, uh, oh, back that one up. Uh, come back to the, no, come back. Yeah, no, back to the first one. There you go. So I'm in Walmart, and you just never know, this is 9.30 at night, and you just never know who you're going to see. If you can't see in the back, this is camo in gold. It is stunning. Uh, and the next one is uh, equally uh, stunning, a gentleman, two gentlemen actually, who thought they'd be rather patriotic. I'm not sure they achieved their outcome, or desired outcome. The next one, um, you know, sometimes we're in hard times, and you do the best you can, and you wear a box <laughs> to Walmart. To return items, you just cover up with a box and you go down to the Walmart. Uh, the last one I thought was most intriguing, uh, Cupid. Um, very little on, uh, Cupid, and, and, and the thing is not Cupid in this picture at Walmart. Cupid in the picture is the woman who is the cashier, just keeps working with Cupid, with nothing on, standing there at Walmart. For me, wardrobe is where I have an opinion. Or lack of wardrobe. Or incorrect wardrobe. Like, what were you thinking when you left your house looking like that? And that's all in my head. I don't voice it. My mother's uh, voice is still very active. And, and I married to Donna for 39 years, and, and I know better than to say much uh, like that in front of Donna, out of respect for her. But when I have those moments, and maybe when you have those moments of opinion, the thought comes to my mind, who am I? Who am I to think that about a person I don't even know? 
Father, in these moments that we have together in your word today, help us to gather around the concept of opinion. Perfectly reasonable. You've given us reasonable thought. You've, you, 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 you've, you've enabled us, God, with great minds and clear thinking. Help us, Lord, to learn maybe a little bit today about distinguishing from opinion and judging. Because one, one is not what you want from us. So, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for the people in this place. And as we open your word, may it be opened by the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and our lives so that on our Monday and our week, we're less judging and more caring like our Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you, uh, for those of you uh, uh, with, uh, with God's word uh, that you brought today, we're going to work in Matthew today. Uh, we're going to work in chapter 7 of Matthew today. For those of you who might not have brought a Bible, good news, there's one in the pew in front of you if you choose to do that. I'm going to put the words on the screen, but sometimes holding the word of God is really important, really special. So we're in Matthew, we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 7, but let me tee this up for you just a little bit. As we work in our Bible study, both Charlie and I, when we're leading our Bible study in our class, we don't just start with the verse. You can. You can start with a text and pick up that text and go from that text and probably learn something from that text through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we always try to do is we try to give context to the text. Too many today cite scripture. It's becoming convenient to cite a passage of scripture to use it or twist it or tweak it to a particular need or a particular point of view. And that's not really the value of God's word. The value of God's word is knowing what a text means in context to everything going around it. And what we know as believers is that in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's called Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is on a hillside and he's speaking to untold numbers of people. And if you and I as a believer in today's society want to ever know what a Christian should look like in competing culture, in postmodern culture, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is your source document. It is a singular location, as many other places in the New Testament. Please don't get me wrong, but from the voice of our Savior himself, he helps us understand what the walk of a believer is to be. And he's doing it in a day and age in contrast to what the religiosity of that day suggested that walk to be. And so at the end of chapter 6 uh, of, of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, the end of that chapter, Jesus is teaching us a key concept and it basically is summarized and saying, do not worry. In today's vernacular, I've got you. i got your back. I've got your cover. I've got you. And through a series of simple descriptions, Jesus tells us how he has us. And he gives us an enabling thought that says, do not worry. I've taken care of everything from the smallest to the greatest. I've got you covered. And it's important to know that backdrop at the end of chapter 6 as we go into chapter 7. And our text today is chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And it's important to get that context. Jesus has just finished saying, I'm taking care of you. In a day and age where people had to work 
and had to keep the law and had to do and do and do. Jesus say, no, 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 no. I have you. Don't worry. I've got things taken care of. But then we pick up uh, chapter 7, the first verse of chapter 7. Um, um, uh, do not judge uh, so that you will not be judged. That's how it begins. Jesus has just told us, I've got you, but there's no pride in that. There's nothing you've done to give you pride to judge. There's nothing about your station, about me taking care of you, that gives you the opportunity to judge another. Now, you may have an opinion about another, but that opinion once voiced is judgment. And you don't have that. So Ben, we'll just walk through these. I'll read the whole text. For by the standard uh, that you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use will be the measure you receive. Why do you seek the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to see the beam of wood in your own? Verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck, let me help you, let me come in there and remove the speck from your eye, while there is a beam in your own? You hypocrite. First remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not, and then the admonition closes this section of text, and do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before pigs. Otherwise, they will trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. So the picture here is Jesus, our Savior, teaching multitudes of people in a religious structure that is onerous and confining and not focused on the true God, focused on man and works. And Jesus is saying, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. And after this text, he's talking about ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. Jesus is really clear that you and I as believers, we are covered. But he inserts this text in here about judgment in as much to say to you and to me, there is no arrogance about what I'm saying. There is no position because in the day, religious position was very important. I'm not giving you religious position. I'm giving you grace. And I expect you're going to give grace to others. And that grace is a lack of judgment. Now, let me be really clear, and, and then we'll cover a couple of key words and we'll be done. But let me be really clear. There are times that you and I have to discern. Read Matthew 24, and you'll understand what the end of our world might look like and might sound like. Read Jude. And Jude will help us understand when we need discernment and, and clarity of thought and who to believe and who not to believe because the great deceiver is among us and the great deceiver makes the wrong look very similar to what is right. So please don't misunderstand this conversation this morning about who I am or who am I. Who am I to judge? Well, there are moments God calls on me through the power of the Holy Spirit to discern what's going on around me. But calling me to judge others because of the grace he provided me, 
No. No. So let's look at a couple of key words. Uh, ben, if you put the first one up, the first uh, key word is do not. Now, having grown up in this church and having a couple of people know me from having grown up in this church years ago and having a wife of 39 years who probably can tell more stories than time would permit, uh, do not, for me, was not an impediment. I didn't read the not. And even better, you tell me not to do something, guess what? I'm going to go try it. Now, I may have been the only one of my ilk to do that, but the way some of you are nodding your head, I think you were a bad boy, bad girl too. This isn't an option from Jesus' mouth. This is a do not. It's a clear statement. Do not. And it's as much a protection for us and a protection for the faith and a protection for grace so that we don't prostitute it in such a way as to lord ourselves over others because of the gifts of Christ. Do not judge is his admonition to you and me. The second sets of key words, and I, I say key words because in Scripture, God will illumine you. He will help you see a word or a phrase that will mean something to your Monday. If you're here on Sunday, the value of you being here on Sunday, yes, we love the fellowship. Yes, we love time in God's Word. Yes, we, we love uh, the people. We love the place. It's a beautiful facility. We love that. But the value of you and I being here on Sunday is not this. It is tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and the encounters that Jesus will put in our path. And he's saying, be careful, do not judge. How are we going to witness? How are we going to share Christ when our first thought is a judgmental thought? That's what he's saying to us. Don't do that. Offer grace. And then the next key words are standard and measure. The standard by which you judge is the measure by which you're going to be judged yourself. Just think of some of the conversations you've had in your head. Some of the conversations you might have had around the dinner table. Have you been harsh to particular political leaders? Have you been harsh to particular community leaders? Have you been harsh in any discussion related to people that Jesus would love? Well, the answer for me is absolutely I have. Absolutely I have. But not only did he give us an admonition about do not, he gave us a consequence. And sometimes in today's Christian culture, we're, we're all about the win. And we can win with Jesus, and absolutely that's true. You, you, can, you can look at the end of it. You, you know how the book ends. You, know? you don't have to read the whole book. You know how the book ends. Read the end of the book. You know how it ends. We have great benefit with our Savior. But at the same time, he admonishes us, do not judge. Because if you do, you will be judged in that same state and in that same way. You say, well, Mitch, what about the blood of Christ? Isn't the blood of Christ sufficient to forgive all of that? Absolutely it is. But the distraction and the energy that you and I use in conversations that are judgmental, in sharing our opinions, in putting people down or ourselves up, either way is problematic to our walk and puts us in judgment. The third set of key words, uh, Ben, 
speck and beam. I used to wear contacts. Uh, I've evolved. Um, when I was wearing contacts, I was a little younger than I am today. Um, uh, now I have um, trifocals. They're progressive, so you don't have to see the lines. You really don't know that I'm as old as I am, but I have trifocals, and I'm trying to always do this to try to get to where you are in my line of sight. But when I wore contacts, and maybe some of you wear contacts, or even when you don't, there's that moment when a hair gets in your eye. Now, there's a variety of things that we try to do for that. We wash it out. I find water or a wash rag and try to wash it out. I'm told if you pull the upper lid over the bottom lid, that will clear it up. Not always. I'm told if you pull the lower lid above the upper lid, but then you look silly. A speck in the eye, guys. What's a speck in the eye? It's an irritant. It's irritating. It will turn your eye red. It will cause frustration until it's taken care of. A speck is an irritant. A beam is blinding. And what Jesus is saying to us is that you've got a beam in your eye if you're judging. If you're giving voice to opinion beyond what's here in your head, and then at that moment when you have it, you're not asking, holding up the mirror and saying, who am I to have that thought? Then we've got a beam in our eye. And the beam is blinding us to the grace that Jesus offers the person that we just condemned in our mind. Or the person that we just gossiped about in our speech. Or the person we just dismissed at Walmart because of their attire. Speck and beam. And I don't know about you, these beams I guess have been in place some 60 years now. Uh, these are the originals. This would be what we call mid-century modern. We are current as a church. And we don't have to have new. We have mid-century. That's as fashionable as it gets. But you and I would understand that getting these beams in place over 60 years ago wasn't done by sheer brute force. There was equipment involved. There were people involved. There was planning involved. There was construction involved. There was setting involved. There was a lot involved in a beam. And Jesus is saying to us, you think you got a speck in your eye. You got a beam in your eye because you're blinded. And what we know about a beam is it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of planning, and a lot of help to get it out of our eye if we're ever hopeful to be helpful to someone else. The next uh, key words uh, this morning are hypocrite. And this is probably the most difficult word in all of this dialogue with Jesus because he's just told the people um, assembled there that I've got you covered. I'll take care of every need that you have. You needn't worry from clothing to food. To, you needn't worry. And afterwards he talks about um, um, all that he'll do in answer to us. When we knock, when we ask, when we seek, we will find but in this section, he says, do not be the hypocrite. Do not think less of your brother because you're thinking more of yourself. The who am I that I ask about when I see somebody in fashion or I see a child acting up or the who am I when I read one of your Facebook posts, I go, really? <laughs> oh my gosh. 
gosh, really? Ah, that hypocrite is because of God's grace. And I'm denying you or denying that person at Walmart or denying that rest, whatever my opinion is, whatever my judgment is, I'm denying them the same grace that saved me. That's the hypocrite. And the last key word from our session today is holy and pearls. Now, uh, I, I, I am tempted at this moment uh, to either call on you know, Steve Lowe or, um, or Charlie Hartsfield to explain the pearls and the holy and the pigs and all of that. But I'll do my best. Because Charlie would not come. Charlie would just look at me as he is now going, well, no, 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 you're not going to do that. No, you're not going to do that. But what Jesus says is, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them, disrespect them, not use them, destroy them under their feet and tear you to pieces. As I understand it, there are some special things that we know as believers. The grace of Jesus, the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is one of those special things. And this discussion this morning on judgment is a special thing because Jesus is personally helping you and me understand where our gap might be in the way we look at others. And He says not everybody's going to respect that. So with all due respect, for those who deny it today, that would qualify for dogs and pigs. Jesus is saying this is so important, but be very careful when teaching and thinking about my kingdom, his kingdom, my grace, his grace for you and for me, our judgment of others. When you learn these things, be careful because not everybody's going to respect your walk. Not everybody's going to hear what you have to say. In fact, he says much saying, not everybody's hearing what I have to say. The religiosity of the day, the religious leaders of the day certainly didn't hear and certainly didn't agree with Jesus at this point. It was about the law. It was about the works. It was about what they had to do, not about the grace. So today's text, what Jesus is saying to us is after he tells us he's got us covered, don't let that be a moment of arrogance. You might have an opinion, but once you voice that opinion inside your head or it pops out of your mouth and you don't have a filter and it pops out of your mouth, your first thought should be, who am I? Who am I to have that opinion? And to be careful because judgment will come in the same way we judge. And be careful that we are not hypocritical in saying, well, I've got grace. But because of the way you look, or because of what you believe, or because of the way you act, or because of the sin in your life, be careful not to look at a speck through the lens of a beam. I'd like you to listen just for a moment, and then we'll close. Thank you.
So the question, who am I? When I ask that question now, when I see something, think something, and I hold up the mirror and say, who am I? I am his. Not because of me, but because of him. The only question remaining then is, who are you? Who are you today? And who will you be tomorrow?